welcome to the Constructed Futures podcast. I'm Hugh Seaton. Today I'm joined by Peter Shiner and Carl Sorensen, founders of Blue Collar Capital Partners. They asked that I do the financial disclaimer, so here it is. All opinions expressed by Peter and Carl are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of the firms they represent. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. However, we're going to say some awesome things. Peter and Carl, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having us, you. Yeah, my pleasure. So, guys, tell. let's start with what you saw in the industry and what got you going to where you are now. You know, I'll start. This is Peter. You know, what was really interesting to me about construction and construction technology was coming from the capital markets and spending 10 years really trading mortgage-backed securities um, was the fact that really construction, as I got to know it more and more, is really just an inefficient market. And what's really unique about construction is it's an inefficient market that's also large in size. So at nearly $12 trillion a year, you don't tend to see a market that doesn't operate efficiently. That's interesting. And have you seen other industries just throughout your, your experience or your, your education that were also inefficient that, that capital came in and, and, and had an effect on? I think that directly relates to really my, my former industry. When I started in 2009, it was much more inefficient just because of asymmetric information. So information not being shared between buyer and seller as far as where transactions were happening. And we saw that progressively get more efficient as technology and regulation entered the space to where there was more transparency. And then if you add on to that lower volatility, you started to see a market that got precipitously more efficient. So I think my, my direct relationship was in, in trading bonds. It's interesting. And I, I guess that's sort of what the finance toolkit is all about, right? Is finding inefficiencies, betting against them until they kind of the market takes them away. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, the other way is how do you leverage into that in, in the most efficient way yourself? So thinking about construction as a market sector, for me, what got more appealing was not owning and operating a construction company, but it was investing in those, those companies that were highly scalable and efficient at touching a number of different construction projects. Um, and that really comes by way of investing in construction technology, which is highly scalable. Right. And actually you come by, let's talk a little bit about how you come by construction. It's, it's kind of part of the family, right? Yeah. So I, I had the privilege of actually still running a sales and trading team that was based in Chicago. My son was born and my wife and I moved back to our hometown and my brother-in-law is CFO of a commercial construction company in Southern California that does a lot of healthcare work. They do some stadium work, food processing, but largely going to be your, your capital type projects. And so I got a little bit of an introduction on the strategy and finance side just through osmosis and using an office space um, inside their office. And what, what made you say that this is an inefficient I mean, there's probably a few ways to answer this, but what do you think made you say, this is an inefficient market and it's somewhere I can go do something? You know, that happened by way of relationships. And certainly Carl was the biggest part of that, was really understanding his long history in construction, his experience in the field, 
And then his experience really investing into, you know, making sure that the construction ecosystem was aware of technology that was up and coming. So there's a relationship with him and then a close relationship with a good friend that's a global equities trader at a, at a large hedge fund in Chicago and really just bouncing ideas off of them, them knowing me for a long time, being able to get some idea of, hey, the, the lessons and the relationships that I have previously developed, are they effective? Can they be effective in leveraging into the space? And there was a lot of indication that all those things would match up. Yeah. Well, Carl, let's talk a little bit about your some of your background and, and what brought you here as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so my background primarily has been construction and more specifically federal construction. So you talk about inefficiencies on the job site. I kind of saw that, you know, tenfold, not only just with internal processes, but then just dealing with uh, maybe a larger, more cumbersome, less efficient entity, um, such as just federal construction. And so kind of saw that in a very um, exaggerate way, let's just say. Um, but shortly thereafter, I, I trans over, transitioned over to a, a construction technology media company where my sole focus was to be the, the industry expert to talk about construction, but to interview a lot of these early stage startups, whether they're series A or pre-seed or very early on, very innovative emerging technology and trying to understand kind of what they were doing and then communicate that to the construction industry as as our target demographic. And just through those, those interactions alone, I saw that there was not only a huge need for technology and for efficiencies that the construction industry was really asking for, but then there was this technology industry that was offering up these really exciting technologies, but there seemed to be some sort of disconnect because they could just never meet in the middle or have these quality conversations where then you saw technology being integrated with day-to-day -day operations. So let's talk a little bit about that last part there, because I think that's one of the places you guys are really seeing opportunity is helping technology companies to relate and understand the industry, because they often come from not necessarily people in the field. Is that something you found? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from, from my experience, at least earlier on, there was a lot of technology companies that were coming up with some brilliant, brilliant products, but they had no field experience. So they had a really tough time communicating a message to, to maybe more seasoned superintendents and project managers. And it wasn't until maybe the last five or 10 years, Hugh, that you start seeing maybe the more directors of innovation title pop up on the construction industry. So up until that point, a lot of these tech companies were just relying on cold calling and knocking on job site trailer doors, trying to convey a message that all at times was pretty muddied and inarticulate and was falling on deaf ears at times because um, project managers and superintendents weren't quite grasping, understanding or relating to the, the technology or the lingo that tech companies were really kind of offering up as far as their product was concerned. So you're seeing, and I, I think I've seen it on, on, on my, you know, investigations as well, is that the, the structure of the industry is starting to, to change a little bit in that you've got the bigger GCs, with people whose job it is to go out there and, and understand technology and find some technology. How, how are you finding that evolve over time? As, as far as the technology evolving over time, um, am I understanding your question right? Is it technology? Well, no, I, was, I was more thinking that, you know, you, you mentioned yourself that like five, six years ago or more, you, you really, there really wasn't anybody to talk to except the mm -hmm. folks in the field or the project manager. But now you're starting to see more and more general contractors and, and other folks. I mean, you see some of the specialty contractors do it too. 
where there's a special innovation team whose job it is to go understand the needs of the company and, and go out and find ways to solve that need. Um, are you seeing that happen more and more? Yeah, absolutely. So there's such a there's an appetite that's just growing within the construction industry. I think to what your your point, yeah, there's a lot of tech committees being built within a, within the internal structure of a lot of contractors. And what we're seeing as well, especially, and I think COVID to some degree has, has shined a, a special spotlight on that. That contractors need to figure out a way to do more with less. And so when you can't visit a job site, you can't tangibly or physically be on the job site. You have to. Th- think and, and come up with innovative ways to visit a job site that is located halfway across the country or to be physically present when you can't. And so it's relying and creating these ideas or this pressure on a lot of GCs to really start adopting tech. And not only that, but you also see that, you know, the the old the, the more seasoned guard of of construction professionals, you know, are start beginning to phase out and, you know, maybe millennials who grew up with 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 phones and with computers and now becoming middle managers of these projects, becoming project managers, and they want and are demanding technology on job sites. And so we're starting to see this huge, huge push for more tech, uh, but there's a lot of still some grasping as right, what is the best way to go about this? And that's why a lot of tech committees are being built internally is to help kind of provide some of this due diligence and vetting of technology before they implement more widely. So it feels like you guys have sort of seen that the two ends of the technology spectrum, both need a little help. So on the one hand, Peter is saying, you know, we can have, we can access capital. We can help on, you know, connect bright ideas and bright, uh, bright innovators to some money to help them, you know, kind of grow and move along. But Carl, on your end, you're saying that, that, yeah, but the, the, the GC side or the, or the, the, the company side needs a little help sometimes too, to, to understand what they're looking at and what they're looking for. How have you guys kind of looked at that and, and you know, kind of operationalized that with BCCP? I think one of the things that's really unique is the fact that, you know, we have we have a deep network at both small, middle and large size GCs and some trade contractors where we can get some independent reviews and get products used on job sites. So from a capital perspective, that's incredibly valuable to figure out what does customer acquisition look like? And then we made a heavy investment into making sure we have the right team together, not just for customer acquisition, but to ensure that most of these companies as SaaS companies, that they have the right customer success and customer journey road mapped out. So when I think about, you know, construction tech, it very much what we care about is technology that's able to be used on the job site today job you know technology that can be scaled across many job sites and then technology that's going to be sticky and so for me and coming at it from a capital's perspective what makes this particularly interesting to capital providers is the fact that this isn't biotech in the sense that the market application isn't 10 to 15 years out with potential major roadblocks and fda approval we're talking about a lot of times technology that's been proven in other industries that just hasn't been properly translated, marketed and sold and really packaged appropriately for use in the construction field. So they certainly have their own intellectual property, but a lot of it's digitization that's happened across other industries. So that makes it very, very appealing uh, from an investment standpoint. Yeah. And I think just keying off some of the points you guys have made, it, it, you know, it, it, the one of the out well, one of the implications of saying that this is really inefficient is that there are pieces missing. 
So, and you know, you just talked about customer success. Talk about some of the other ways that you fill in gaps that you you know are out there. So, for example, you know, I think you guys have talked. We talked about providing capital. We talked a little bit about um, about customer success. But you know, some of what you're doing has to be things like educating and training and so forth. Is that something that you guys are engaging in? A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and it's also, it's, it's throughout the entire ecosystem. So it's capital providers, it's the tech companies, but then we also have relationships with developers and real estate asset holders, and then also the providers of the labor. So when you have that ecosystem, you're able to get a lot of really valuable feedback. And when you think about it, you know, a lot of these technologies providing efficiency, the ultimate you know, gain or, or return on investment should be returning to the owner, the person that's funding these projects. And so when you can get those people on board, when they can see the technology that could be used to improve their schedule, to improve job site savings and safety, they really care. And how do you get the owner involved? What, what's, the, what's the way to get their attention? You know, our experience to date has really been through, you know, making sure that they're aware of technology that would provide efficiencies to their potential jobs. So whether that's a publicly traded REIT or that's a family office that has large holdings, it's really having the relationships existing, which have really come by way of, of previous capital relationships outside of construction tech, but making them aware of what's available and the type of transparency that they could demand uh, from their either construction manager or or the general contractor to make sure that their job's being run as efficiently as possible. And really for that, we, you know, we kind of lean, lean on Carl's deep background in knowing the landscape and knowing what it means to run a really efficient project. Yeah, yeah absolutely, sense. Peter. And I think part of it is just the fact that for such a long time, construction has been this black box, right? Where People hire contractors to, to do a task or to, to build something. And there just isn't a lot of clarity or transparency of how it goes about getting done. Um, there isn't really clarity and transparency of why things cost the way they do and why they cost as much as they do. And so with diving and having this construction background to take a look at even just the processes that contractors deploy or employ, um, we could take a look at that and really start shedding some light on as far as where the value adds are and where where waste is and, and really kind of be able to recommend, you know, where, where technology can be injected to not only provide transparency to, to the owners, but then also provide a more seamless way of operating for, for contractors. And I think a big part of, of what we do is, is sure training, even the, the, the technology solution providers to, to better, to better engage and really kind of dig in to, to kind of drill down and see uh, where, uh, where the, the deficiencies are in a workflow process. But then also on the flip side is, is working with general contractors and contractors to help them build a process because there's a lot of them sometimes that just don't even have a paper-based process, let alone a digital process. And so when you start mapping that out and saying, okay, this is how we properly write an RFI within this contractor, we can start poking holes and say, hey, do we need all these parties involved? Do we need all these emails involved? Is there a solution that we can put in place of all this this time intensive labor intensive process that really would optimize and make you more efficient and then make you more effective in what you do day to day. That's exciting. So again, some of what you guys are providing that's that you find essentially if you see it missing, you find a way to solve it. This idea of providing kind of service 
to help them understand, to do some process redesign or process kind of backstopping is exciting. Um, what's kind of a, 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 your favorite sort of engagement or your favorite sort of, 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 you know, business to be, to be a part of? I think for me personally, it, what's been really rewarding is, is really making the first introductions to some forward thinking project managers and kind of seeing and or hearing, you know, via Zoom, the aha moment that they weren't aware something like this existed. And then just realizing, you know, from their perspective that this means not just more time for them in their day, whether that's going to a little league baseball game they didn't used to be able to get to on time, but also for the other people that are at the job site. So for me, it's been really, really a lot of fun to see the fact that this tech is not just improving ROI to the owners, but it's it's improving the entire job site and really helping people get back more time in their day to get to what's meaningful in life. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that that's where I find a lot of joy myself is just, again, coming from that, in, from that industry and seeing kind of the impossible tasks that are put in front of project managers and superintendents and running projects where they have to be a million places at once and they have to do a million things by day's end. And then, you know, with all the different responsibilities they have with not only the client, but then also with on-site labor and then even, you know, internal stakeholders to deliver a project that is not only on time and under budget and high quality, but also safe. And so it's an impossible task for anybody, but to show and be able to, to demonstrate how certain technologies can make these superintendents and PMs more efficient with their time and their day, making their lives more simple. Um, and making and with that extra time and capability that they have to make the job sites even more safe or to really be able to invest into the relationships on the job sites. I love seeing that. And I love the, the fact that, you know, as soon as that light bulb moment happens, you can see them, the, the wheels spinning on how they can leverage certain tech solutions to make their job and lives easier. And so that, like Peter said, they can go home and they can catch their, their son or daughter's baseball game. Yeah, that's the, that's the dream, right? Is to make it, make it, better, faster, more efficient, uh, and ultimately safer. Um, Carl, you talk, you talk to a lot of, um, of CEOs of, of small companies. You both do. But Carl, I know you, you made a point in some, some of the earlier things you've done of really talking to a lot of CEOs. Um, what, are some, what are some things that you've seen in terms of gaps in their understanding or gaps of how they, how they view the market? We're talking about tech CEOs or we're talking about GCs? Uh, tech CEOs. Yeah. So I think at least initially what I saw was there was a, a time where there wasn't industry uh, developers from the industry um, who came in, who would come in and would just say, hey, listen, I've got this silver bullet solution that any G GC would pick up and I would be a millionaire tomorrow. And so they come in and there almost seemed to be a, a level of, of almost overconfidence of what their products can do. And I've seen iPads become paperweights more times than I, than I care to count. Uh, on project in project trailers, just because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of these these tech CEOs, or at least initially, really didn't understand the job site, didn't really understand the demands placed on the job site trailer and the in the field professionals, and so really didn't know how to deliver a product that that met needs. I've seen an evolution over the time. I mean, where now you're seeing more and more uh, former industry guys and gals from construction now saying, hey, you know, we're we're dealing with this problem on job sites. This is a, a nagging industry problem. I'm going to leave my company and go develop a product that's a solution for this. And so now you're seeing not only 
a lot of big companies out there like you know the Procores and the other big management softwares, but you've seen a lot of single point solutions that that neatly and seamlessly integrate with each other. And so it's really cool to see this ecosystem of of tech products where where tech CEOs become more savvy. They know the industry. They know how to speak to superintendents and PMs. They know how to deliver a product that's that's going to be effective and that's almost plug and play. And it's it's difficult to reach a point where you're plug and play as a tech solution, but that's kind of where a lot of these tech CEOs are at and what they're trying to achieve, where they, as soon as they hand off this tablet to a job site, a PM or a super can pick it up and can really run with it. And so you're seeing a lot of really cool innovations and emerging technologies that, that play with each other and they, they serve the end goal. So would you say that you're seeing kind of both ends of the, of the equation begin to become a little bit closer to each other and maybe a little bit more, I don't want to say sophisticated, but experienced maybe in yeah, yeah. Um, I'm seeing we're seeing the push from the bottom and the push from the top. You know, you see owners demanding more technology or more transparency in their project, which is forcing GCs and contractors to to adapt and innovate. But then you're seeing a lot of these MEP subs, these specialty trade contractors who have razor thin margins to begin with, who are kind of forced to innovate and be efficient with what their capabilities are in order to to recapture margin. And so there's general contractors who see you know, whether it's an AR collaboration tool or an image capture tool that a, you know, plumbing contractor is using on the job site and they're doing a great job of, of saving money or, or making margins or delivering a, a, a complicated product uh, or complicated project. GCs are going, hey, what are you using? We'd love to adopt that. Tell us more about it. And so you're seeing the squeeze from top down and bottom up where GCs are becoming more savvy because the people in the ecosystem around them is becoming more savvy. Do you guys have an opinion about whether, um, you know, they adopt technology because it'll make them run better or because it's a marketing tool? Because I think there's a little bit of both. But what are you seeing? I I see both. Um, I think primarily the, the desire. Well, that's that's a good that's a good question. Um, I guess it depends on the contractor. I mean, I've seen. You know, I've seen people, I've seen contractors adopt technology that they didn't need, but it was great for a photo shoot. You know, I mean, I used to, for a long stretch, any association event that you'd go to that was talking about technology was always talking about drones. And you see these mom and pop shops that were buying drones and taking pictures and bolstering their marketing. At the end of the day, I'm like, you guys need a better accounting software. You need better, like, you know, meat and potato type software, fundamental foundational software. You don't need a drone to kind of improve your processes, but you still see that you see companies go after tech for marketing purposes. But I, I, it's exciting to watch, watch companies who really embrace technology first and foremost to improve their processes into, to improve an end product in a, in a delivery. Um, And then you see a byproduct of that is, is that's better marketing, but some people lead off by by saying, "Hey, we need we need pictures with drones and augmented reality goggles." And other companies say, "We want to we want to make sure that we're efficient." But then those pictures will come later on. You know that makes sense, and I guess you know it. Um, it probably depends not just on the on the, the, geez, the company, but it probably depends on the technology, right? It, it, to your point, um, it's tough to look to make accounting software look sexy. Yeah, I, I think what we've been very fortunate with is really a deep network with really great project managers and superintendents that really care about only the tech that works, that adds value. And so that's where we really hone in on. And we're really fortunate to have that network. So that's what I think makes makes a lot of what we do easy on the day to day. 
is the ability to get really good, accurate feedback from people that that aren't leaning one way or another over a particular piece of technology. They just really want to know, is it adding value and is it something that they can justify upstream for the cost? So I think that's what's been a lot of fun is, is to be able to get that weeded out by having pe- people that are boots on the ground. Yeah, that's great. Theater about this, but the products that we tend to be even most excited about is perhaps some of the less sexy tech. You know, some of the the basic accounting software, project management software. You know, stuff that that you're not really going to make headlines um, by deploying or using, um, but it's absolutely essential at the project level or the enterprise level where they need something. There's a huge gap. They're inefficient, so they don't need a, a glitzy. Um, sexy product to kind of swoop in and solve the things. They, they need some some down and dirty, gritty, basic standard stuff that's really doing their thing well and completely just completely overturning and making uh, companies more efficient. So I think I'm excited for the sexy tech, but the, the, the non-sexy tech as well is I think is, is just as important, if not more. And how long does you, you guys usually give it for someone to, to tell you whether something is, is, is good and working or not? Do they know right away? Do you, do you tend to want it to be in, you know, with them for a little while? What's, what's a good way to approach that? I would say that it depends on, on the technology to be sure, because it could be a pre-construction piece of technology that, that the value is made pretty apparent on, on the be- beginning side of the project and on a single project that it becomes pretty much standard use. And then other times it's something that just needs to be used throughout the field and throughout the counterparties on the trades. Um, but I would say it just depends. I don't know, Carl, if you want to give any more details on that. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a it's a both and situation. So I think there's immediate returns that you can see depending on the position, right? So let's just say we have an image capture app that people are using on job sites, and through that they can better capture punch list or task collaboration and make sure and mitigating change orders down the road. Right off the bat, you're making a superintendent's life easier by not having a point and shoot camera where they can just use their phone, take pictures with their phone, upload it to the cloud, distribute it accordingly, which it takes moments instead of the point and shoot uploading manual way. And so right there, there's value there because the superintendent saying, hey, I'm saving time. My weeks are shorter. My days are shorter. Um, this is a great product. When it comes to senior leadership or maybe more corporate or back office folk, they might not see the returns on that where they're like, hey, we spent a lot of money on this product. Where's the return on that? They'll see that down the road when there's less change orders on the projects or there's less litigation or arbitration or any issues that are really kind of hurting companies financial from a schedule standpoint that it isn't necessarily apparent immediately. It's only only after a longer period of time of really experimenting and using and implementing a technology. So I think I think the immediate, you can see typically, and it depends on kind of the product, but again, immediately with some positions, and then there's a longer payoff with others. That makes sense. And it, it speaks a little bit to, you know, information and how, how quickly you can, you can um, know, know something's true or know something's not. And I, it, it reminds me of something from earlier in the conversation where you know, Peter was saying that that one of the things that, that attracted you to this industry is its inefficiency. And what we've talked a lot about is is information and and um and you know you guys playing a role in in kind of reducing some of that inefficiency. You know, talk to me a little bit about how how you're you're thinking about information and and about kind of helping helping parts of the industry know more about other parts of the industry. What are some things that you guys do and some 
some areas you see that that might be an, an issue? I think a big part of it, um, in part, and there's there's a lot of ways to go about this, is is just it's almost a translation component or messaging component. Um, I think you know when we work with technology companies, at times it's it's difficult for them to find engagements or understand how to market or how to message their product in a way that's going to appeal to a, a blue collar labor. And so um, we help them think through that and to target target their their demographics. With a with a more of a laser like focus and with a messaging that's going to appeal to to the every man every woman that's on the job site, uh, so there's that component. But then there's also the component on the other side of where we're helping we're helping GCs and contractors better understand kind of the value proposition and working through, like I mentioned earlier, a little bit of their processes. But then we can speak more intimately about, hey, you struggle. Or we talk about how inefficient this component of your job site operations functions. We understand that. We get that. It's very cumbersome. It's very labor intensive. There's a lot of paper, whatever it might be. There's a lot of waste involved with that. And we can help them set the table like, okay, this is how you should, or we would recommend you vet through technologies and key in on this thing and versus that. And really kind of look at it for more, not only a, a granular detail, but more of a holistic standpoint to set the table for, for them to interact with technology companies in a more productive way. So there's a lot of translation. There's a lot of, I mean, even just from the messaging standpoint and communication making sure that there's good good dialogue between and productive dialogue between the two um, to make sure that the product that, that's being offered is, is going to fit the need. And just one last thing, I, I think there is also an opportunity for technology companies to work alongside and partner with a lot of contractors where we've seen this become more of a reality where technology companies, they want to learn more. They want to provide a better product. They don't want to have this adversarial relationship, which sometimes happens with between GCs and tech. But they want to work alongside project teams to build an even better product for these GCs so that they're really serving this end goal well. And so we're seeing a lot of really interesting and cool partnerships develop through those dialogue, through that translation, through those relationships. That's a really cool point. So can you talk a little bit more about what that partnership looks like? Is it long? Is it short? Are they you know, meeting each other on, in weekly meetings or are they on site? What's it, what's it look like kind of on the ground? Yeah. So I think there's, it, it depends on, on what the objective and the goal is. I've seen relationships um, between contractors and technology companies be very long-standing relationships where, hey, let's have a weekly or a monthly meeting. Let's talk about how the, how the rollout of this technology on this job site is going. Where are we as a technology company falling short and having very productive feedback loops to really instruct technology companies about, hey, how can you improve your product? Uh, but there's other times where it's more, it's more accelerated, it's more focused. Where let's just even say, you know, there's a company that's coming out with an MVP, you know, just something brand new, brand to the market, new to the market. They need somebody to kick the tires on, so they roll it out to a single project site to a single client and say, hey, let's have daily meetings. We're going to be a technology company that's on site with you every single day. Let's talk about it. Let's work through these issues. Let's work through these bugs together, understanding and coming to the, the agreement that project teams are like, okay, we realize that this, this system is probably going to be buggy, uh, but that's okay. We're going to have the patience and the grace to work with you, develop a better product because we know at the end of the day, if you win, we're winning too as a project team. And then on the flip side, technology companies are, are, are being able to provide a, a product that not only better addresses inefficiencies on the job site, but now becomes a more marketable product across the industry. 
I think this is great. I mean, I, you're seeing, you know, pilots um, more. I mean, everybody should be piloting. And one of the things that I've heard um, a couple of people say is that technology companies will often come and assume they're going to have a three month pilot. And lots of, lots of, again, lots of folks on the GC side and the general and the contracting and, and contracting side will say, yeah, I, I'm not going to look at it often enough. I need six months at least. Have you found that, that, I mean, again, it probably depends a little on the software or on the, on the, the product, but have you found that, that people underestimate how long they, they need to be piloting or, or working together? I, I think there's also underestimate. Yeah. There's a lot of folks that will underestimate their own schedules. And so we've had situations where somebody's even paying for a piece of technology for two months and they're not able to get to it. And one of those situations where the tech company is very interested in making sure that they use it, less interested in being able to just collect the bill um, for the service. And I think that's where it can get a little bit frustrating, but it becomes something where, hey, give me two more weeks until I'm able to wrap this thing up. And then of course, something else comes up and they put it off because they've been able to survive to this point, right? you know, using whatever system they are to where it just really takes, I think, a diligent effort and or a proof of the value prior to somebody signing up for it to be able to actually engage it. So I think there's a little bit of underestimation, if I could say that correctly, people underestimating um, the amount of time and effort it may take to onboard something but also it's it's an overestimation overestimate I can't say that word um, they're overestimating wrong <laughs> yeah exactly they're they're overestimating you know the amount of time it takes to properly adopt it and I think that that's one thing that there's a hurdle that needs to be cleared for most people which is most of these technologies while it may be different than your current process may not take a whole ton of time and training to actually adopt it's just making a dedication to do it. Right. And then yeah, giving yourself time, time to think. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to build on what Peter said, because that's exactly it. I think, I think companies tend to overestimate how pliable they are and that, you know, thinking that they can roll out a technology solution pretty easily and everyone's going to just gravitate and adapt to it. And I think they underestimate how complex their own company and organization is, where as soon as they say go with a new tech product, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of mechanisms that need to be put into place. There's a lot of training and education and rollout and, and deployment that needs to happen internally within an organization. It's easy to sign a contract and say, hey, let we've got an MSA for this tech product for this company. Let's just get after it. But it takes months for all that stuff to to really get rolled out. And that's not even including if, hey, this this new technology that we purchase is actually going to be replacing a a older technology. Um, and so you have to kind of declaw yourself from this previous technology and then adapt and train in, on a new technology. That takes a really long time. And I think a lot of companies tend to to underestimate the, the length and commitment that that really requires to, to be good and effective. It's a, it's a tough one to get right. And, and I, I think it feels like the tech companies themselves don't necessarily know. So they're not a very good guide. I mean, I, I, again, people pick three months because it feels like, well, it's a quarter. Um, but, you know, it just takes a while to get things done. H how do you guys help with that process? Is it, is it you know, ex your own experience or do you kind of help with, with frameworks to help people think through how long they're going to need? Yeah, I, I think it's both. Um, we, we have a pretty diverse team, uh, which we're pretty excited about at BCCP, where not only do we have representatives that, that 
professionals that represent the construction industry and then the capital industry, but then with those who, who work with customer success teams, those who work with sales teams. So we have a pretty diverse group of individuals that have experience and have built careers in different facets of, of the market and that can really address some of these needs that a contractor or GC might run into when they're trying to roll out a product or working with technology companies to temper expectations or work with their own messaging. So I think there's, uh, we have that, which is, which has been good. Um, but a part of it is, is just becoming knowledgeable of the product itself, the, the technology product, and then being knowledgeable of, of construction and, and typical processes and, you know, how to really kind of speak both languages and have them come together. But, you know, I think, I think the best, fastest, and surest way is, and what we found a lot of success in is, is really compelling a lot of GCs and contractors to create these tech committees where you're getting buy-in, not only at, at the boots on the ground level, but then at middle management and upper management, that we're all kind of seeing the same thing. We agree this is a good product. And once we got buy-in from that tech committee, they can go back to their respective departments and really foster further buy-in with their direct reports um, and their other departments that are associated with them. So, that is the quickest and surest way that we have found and what we try to encourage with a lot of our partners when they think in, thinking about adopting and deploying a new tech. That's very cool. Yeah, you guys have talked about the, the broader um, you know, team at, at um, BCCP. Talk a little bit about the roles that you guys have got. So we've talked about, I think we talked sales. I think we talked um, customer success. What, do you th- what was important for you to make sure that you have? Yeah, I think first and foremost in in putting together a team, you know, it really started with Carl and I. So Carl was specialty in some construction field operations and construction technology. Myself on the capital side and relationships there was kind of really building out those facets and then adding people kind of to those. So we have additional folks that have construction experience, additional folks that have capital raising experience. And then we have, you know, some folks that are specialized in sales. So software as a service type sales, people that have been doing that for a while that have an acumen in construction, that's very helpful. But then also making sure that one of the main drivers of any of these customers valuation is going to be not only what is your customer acquisition look like, but what is customer retention look like? And actually having a, a, a particular partner who has construction experience and SaaS customer service experience is incredibly valuable. And we think that's a a main differentiating point that we bring to the table is the ability to understand that element and how all those relate to one another. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like one of the, we've been talking about gaps that you guys fill. And one of them, it sounds like is the gap between a more mature technology company and a, and a younger technology company. I mean, I've just, I can speak a little bit from knowing some of what you do that you're helping, helping them to do the things that they don't have a team to do yet. Um, is that is that some of the approach? That's exactly it. Yeah, we see ourselves as certainly kind of a bolt-on for a maturing company to where they may not be able to afford a customer success person of the caliber that we can bring to the table. Um, but it's something that we deeply care about making available to them because we're investors in their technology. So we care about the technology being adopted and the valuation of the company going up as quickly as possible. Yeah. Do, and Peter, do you think that given given the, the way technology kind of diffuses inside of a big co- construction company, do you think it takes a little bit longer for a, a company, a, for a tech company in this sector to, to reach a, a higher, you know, higher revenue, therefore a higher valuation? 
It's an interesting question. I mean, I, I, I don't know that it's any more unique in the construction space than it is in any other B2B type software as a service. Uh, but what I do think is just there's a unique translation into the, the field staff, because ultimately, if the field staff, the people that that are at the point of the use of it aren't happy and don't see the value in it, you're not going to see wide success and renewed subscription. So I think for you know the construction space, what just makes it particularly unique is the fact that you have um, a different community that you need to translate to than most tech is used to operating with. And this speaks to, again, to the customer success, right? Is that you've got a, a, a team that has done this in this industry, not in, you know, in insurance technology. You've, they've actually done this here. So they kind of know, um, know how to make that, that, that leap from one pilot to, to, you know, different teams within a, within a GC. Um, Correct. And, and additionally levered into a lot of relationships that are currently operating in the field. And so we take that feedback incredibly um, serious. And that's where we lean, I think, a lot of our weight onto whether or not we will choose to elect to engage a company or not is going to be based on the feedback that we get from people that are currently in the field. So not just our people that have experience in the field, but current operators out there. There's no better, yeah, no better barometer than that, right? So, no, so I'm going to ask it. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say you're 100% correct. Yeah, um, and when you can get it, it's great. So I want to shift gears for the last couple minutes here and talk a little bit about where you guys see this going. You know, we're in the middle of one of the weirdest years of anyone's lifetime, um, but we're also in an, an industry that has uh, sits at the crossroads of, you know, demographic changes and climate change and this and that, where do you guys see things going? And honestly, take it anywhere you want to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what we're doing is just really a microcosm of what needs to happen in the industry as far as increased transparent communications from the field to the tech companies, to owners of, of commercial property, to the GCs, and even to the banks and the people that are providing capital um, and the debt structures. So I think, you know, it, we're doing a microcosm of what I think needs to happen in the industry. And I think we're happy to be a part of, of something that, that will in the future become something of a, of a clearinghouse for technology that can actually add value to the job site that has people testifying to its value so that the industry as a whole can really improve. And so we've been partnering Pete, with some folks to make this happen, and we're calling it the construction evolution, but we really see that as a major value add across the industry and to scale into, you know, some of these, these tech learnings, not only being housed within single companies, but being made available on a platform that can translate across the industry. That's really exciting. So the, the broad point you're making then is, is really closing gaps of information almost wherever they are within, within a technology, within a technology ecosystem and within the, the broader construction uh, ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, this is, yeah. I'm just going to jump in. I mean, that, that's kind of the ecosystem that we've been focusing in is, is BCCP sit, sitting in between, you know, GCs and contract contractors, technology firms, asset managers, such as REITs, um, labor provider. So just the whole gamut. Um, so we're, we're really looking to sit in between that and start closing the gaps between those different, those different market sectors 
which has been really exciting. And we just see that to continue to grow. And just on top of that, you know, obviously the, this industry is a really exciting industry to be a part of, uh, but it just doesn't seem like there's other other companies out there that has the the knowledge base and the professionals that we've kind of assembled together to really kind of speak intelligently um, from experience about what we see in the industry and where the opportunities are. And so we can speak to to an owner, we can speak to a, an asset manager, we can speak to a technology firm and really speak more intimately about some of the, the challenges there and a lot of the opportunities. And we only see that continue to grow as we build out the staff and and with the construction evolution. So that's exactly it, is, is, is really exploring these gaps and maybe and shedding light on that um, to really kind of improve the industry and the whole, you know, raising of a tide raises all ships. This is super exciting and I can't wait to see where this goes next. Hey, listen, guys, thanks for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate having you here. Thanks, yeah, thank you.